0: You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to show you how to attract the people you actually want to work with and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week you can expect legit marketing tips, biz building strategies, and expert advice that'll help you ditch the grind and feel more aligned so you can captivate and convert your audience. If you're ready to grow your business without the struggle, you're in the right place. Today's guest is content writer and strategist Katie Kastner. Katie helps small business owners decide on a content marketing strategy that will work best for their business, and then, of course, helps them put that plan into action. She's also a mom to a six- and an eight-year-old, so she is deep in the throes of motherhood, managing a household, and building a business. Now, I haven't yet dedicated an episode to navigating the path of entrepreneurship when you have young kids at home. And I really wanted to chat with someone who could show other work-at-home moms out there that it is totally doable and more importantly, that it doesn't have to be perfect. Now, Katie's got some great advice on building on small wins and setting yourself up for success in a way that works for you and your family. Katie, welcome, welcome. I'm happy to have you here.
1: I'm so excited to be here, Christy. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we had a little uh little time time zone issue in the beginning, but I'm glad you made it.
1: <laughs> it's it, again, yeah, like I told you, it was very on brand for me this week. So I not shouldn't be all that surprised that I got my time zones messed up. That's hilarious.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I haven't really dedicated an entire show to building a business and sort of navigating the challenges of being a mom to young kids yet. And I think that's probably because my kids are older, right? And Mm -hmm. although I did have a business when they were younger, I didn't start my current business until the girls were in their teens. I think they were both like late teens. So I'm just kind of in a different stage of motherhood and life right now Mm -hmm. where I'm not sort of dealing with the day-to-day logistics of being a mom and managing a household and running a business. But you, my friend, are in the thick of it. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Yeah, and I know a lot of our listeners are too. So, you know, we're just going to talk about all of that and how you can make it work for you and your family. So do you just want to kind of start us off by talking about what you do and how you came into this crazy world of entrepreneurship?
1: Sure. I am a content writer and strategist. So I am a freelance writer, for lack of a better term. I've been doing this... I'm in only in my second year. So this, I'm pretty new in the game in terms of how long I've been truly an entrepreneur, but I came to it as part of a little bit of like a self realization that this is what I've wanted to be doing for a really long time. However, life and circumstance and my own, my own personal roadblocks that I put in place for myself. Had, had gotten in the way, but I finally did get a, get to a place where I decided, nope, it was time to sort of like rip off the band-aid. Finally, do this thing. I had, I, I mean, honestly, I think my whole life, I have wanted to write words for a living like that as, as a kid, I was just enamored with writing in general. I used to write newsletters as Christmas presents from my family members. Oh my which gosh. I, which I recognize is not like a great gift, but like that was... I think it's
0: adorable.
1: (laughs) And looking back now, now having young kids of my own, that is pretty cute, I guess. But I've always just been a lover of written words. And I went through my adult life and my education. I have an undergraduate in marketing and communications. I have a master's degree in education. I was doing a lot of other things trying to kind of find my place. And Mm -hmm. all along the way, sort of writing anyway. I had blogs. I would write sort of randomly different things for friends. I would do editing. Like I always had my hand in some way, shape or form sort of in that writing world. And it wasn't until right before the good old pandemic, right before everything shut down that I finally said, no, you know what? I'm I'm going to move forward with this. I'm going to really focus and build this business. And I have, I I have, I, it's, it's, it was slow going for lots of reasons at first, but it, I, I'm on a really good trajectory now and I'm really excited about where it's headed. So yeah.
0: Do you feel like it was, it was hard to kind of settle into writing for a living because you had a, like a certain, I don't know, perception of what that was. Cause I know for me and, and a lot of copywriters I've talked to on the show, I mean, it's kind of a joke that none of us really knew that copywriting was a thing you could get yeah. paid for. But I know for me, like, I always wanted to be a writer, but to be a writer meant you were writing novels or, you know, nonfiction or something. And so it was, it was never like, Oh, this could be a thing. It never occurred to me that everything you see everywhere has to be written by somebody and somebody's getting paid to write that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, and I also had this, and again, this, there's been many years of really good therapists and my own work that have kind of gotten me (laughs) inside of this thinking, but in my mind, it like I hadn't gone to school for that. That's not what my degree was in. I That's not a real job. I had very much like that sort of rolling around in my head. And it took some time and some work to get past that mindset. And when I did, it felt very freeing because it's like one of those where one of those things where like you want, like, I want to buy myself a red Mercedes Benz. And you think about it, you think about it, you think about it, you think about it. All of a sudden, all you're seeing are red Mercedes Benzes. (laughs) Once I started thinking about like, I want, I would love, like, what would that look like? Being a writer, writing for a living, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, like I'm seeing, I'm coming across writing coaches. I'm coming across freelance writing courses. I'm coming across different resources to help me on that journey. So it probably was very much self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways. And I manifested this into being. But it took me a minute to get, well, a lot of minutes to get there. A lot of years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that, but I love it because like you put it out there and look what happened, you know, leap in the net will appear as they say, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. You might get your red Mercedes Benz.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you talk about, you know, sort of being newish to entrepreneurship. And I know, you know, in the beginning, a lot of things can feel like a struggle, like you getting in front of potential clients is a struggle and booking those first sales calls is a struggle and then of course signing your first clients can be a huge struggle. So what was that like for you and how did you manage to just keep putting one foot in front of the other? It was it was
1: very daunting. Those those beginning stages were very daunting for me and they felt very overwhelming at times. I'm I'm somebody who feels like they have to be over prepared to do anything. Which me too, me
0: too. (laughs) It's not
1: always helpful. And I mean, it really isn't. So that, that fear of like not knowing enough Mm -hmm. really held me back in the beginning. And it was a lot of, a lot of learning on my part. I really committed myself to learning all facets of growing a freelance writing business. And it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of like trying things on and realizing they didn't fit. I mean, some of my early my earliest writing one off projects are things that I would not do now. They they I did them because they were good experience and, you know, I was getting sort of getting my feet wet. And since then I've learned and I've narrowed my offerings down and all that kind of stuff that you learn as you move through the early stages of building a business. But the beginning was it there was a lot of frustrating moments. There was a lot of moments of like, oh my gosh, this this probably won't even work. So why am I even bothering? Yeah. And It was a lot of getting out of my own way in in a lot of ways of really like, even when my inner imposter and my inner critic was like just shaking their head being like, why, what do you think you're doing? And then continuing on anyways. Yeah. And moving past it.
0: I remember too, in those early days, just like, you know, you talk about sort of taking on these gigs that, you know, you wouldn't do now. And I, I think that's really important because I think you, you have to figure out what you like and what you don't like and what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I just remember in the beginning raising my hand for everything. Yes. Like if somebody was willing to pay me for it, I was going to do it. And that was yes. like product descriptions, blogs, social media captions, you name it. I did it. And it was, it was really, I mean, first of all, it was like thrilling to be getting paid to do something yes. I loved, but then. Yes. I did get to figure out like, oh, okay. I don't love doing social media captions for people. So I'm going to move away from that. I see the results when I create email campaigns. So I'm going to move more towards that. And I think it's that's kind of my problem with that saying like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's sort of like a phase you have to do. Absolutely. And it was, and and that's,
1: I think, you know, hindsight being 2020 and all that looking back, I absolutely now see the value that it had for me because I have come to a place where where I have the three things I offer, because those are the three things I love to do so much. And I would never have gotten to that place had I not thrown the spaghetti, you know? So it is, I I agree. I think it's, it's, it's valuable, really valuable. Yeah, definitely.
0: So I want to set up my next question by saying that I am, you know, just personally really interested in reframing what a quote unquote successful business is. And creating a space where we can just define that for ourselves. Because I feel like we have been fed this bull story that if you haven't hit six figures, you're not successful. Number one, I don't think that's true. But number two, that doesn't even have to be everyone's goal. Because you know, we all have these certain reasons for starting our businesses that sometimes have nothing to do with making a certain amount of money. Like, you know, being able to bring your kids to school in the morning or having the ability to work from wherever you want to work from. And, you know, you could very well accomplish those things and make $50,000 a year or $75,000 a year or whatever it is. You know, everyone's needs and wants are different. So I'm curious to hear your take on that as a mom with young kids and, you know, having these ideas going into your business like, oh, I want this, I want this. What does that look like? What does success look like for you on your terms?
1: Yeah, I, I'm in a complete agreement with you because we are, we are, it's almost unavoidable now to see success being a certain dollar amount and that should be the metric for everybody, right? So mm-hmm. like if you're not achieving a six-figure month a six figure launch within a fir- in your first year, you're doing it wrong. Okay, yeah. well, I never started thinking that I was gonna have a six-figure anything in my first year. I went into it, first of all, wanting to work for myself. I kind of came to the realization that I didn't really want to have a boss, so to speak, anymore. I wanted to make my own decisions and make my own calls. Also, again, I have young kids. My daughter's eight. My son is six. So when I started this whole ride, she had just turned six and... He was just four, I had little little kids. I also built the bulk of this through the pandemic being home mm-hmm. and so I needed something that was truly flexible, truly flexible, something that was going to allow me to still be the mom in between the different tasks throughout the day and also too, while we were all quarantining and both of my kids were remote learning while my daughter was remote learning, my son was actually i was homeschooling him I had to it, it i had to i had to have something that worked within the margins of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what this writing business was for me. I could take on work as I wanted it, or I could maybe not put myself out there for a little while because things got too overwhelming elsewhere. That flexibility to me was a huge measure of success, you know, that like I wasn't having to And I spent many years as a stay-at-home mom as well. That's a whole nother piece, like just self-fulfillment in general, like feeling truly fulfilled and doing something outside of just being the mom. That was a huge measure of success for me personally because that was something I was searching for for a really long time. And I have that now. So like check that box, right? Like the list of things that I feel means success for me in my business, box checked. I'm feeling so much personal fulfillment. I feel... Like I have something of my own that I can be truly proud of and that I built. And that's another measure of success that maybe doesn't apply to everyone, but absolutely applies to me. So I think reframing success in terms of whatever it looks like for you is so powerful, but also really difficult to do when we are inundated with other metrics all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the thing, the problem too, or part of the problem with that Is that they keep moving the bar, you know, because it's like, once you hit six figures, it's like, well, now, now you need to have multiple six figures. And then after that, it's seven figures. We should all be millionaires. And you know, there's nothing wrong with money. I love having it, you know, but I just, I just think there's so many other things that we're ignoring. And if you're constantly like chasing it like the carrot and the stick and you're not looking, you're not looking at the big picture. And saying, Oh, well, look, like I, I get to work five hours a day. I can work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, do have all of this freedom, which is what I wanted to begin with. And, and, you know, I'm quote unquote only making $80,000 a year, right? Does that mean you're unsuccessful? I don't think so.
1: (laughs) No, I exactly. I think it's the, I think we get stuck in this like dollar social media trap. And I think that can be really unhealthy for, especially for a lot of people who maybe don't have the support and resources that I had to dedicate as much time as I did to building my business in the beginning. You know, everybody, everything is subjective and everybody's situation looks a little bit different. So to place these sort of hard and fast parameters, and like you said, continue to raise the bar when somebody's going, yeah, but I don't, that's nowhere near my situation. Yeah, it, I think definitely. it leaves people in the dust. Like I think it, it leaves people feeling like left out of success. And yeah, that's unfortunate because again, everybody's success is whatever they decide it's going to be. I washed my hair today. That was successful.
0: I, yeah, relatable. I, I feel I, like that when I take a shower. It <laughs> was in my life right now. Like I wash my hair and I
1: made the bed today. It's been a successful day. Yeah, I love it.
0: Let's kind of talk about balance or ever elusive balance which is kind of another myth that I don't buy into by the way but you know you do I guess have to find some semblance of normalcy when you've got all these balls in the air so what are some of the things that you've found helpful when you're trying to manage everything and I guess kind of to follow up to that what do you do when things just go haywire like how do you rein it all back in I've I've
1: Gotten did not start out this way. It has been a work in progress and it's still evolving. I have made some decisions from, for myself and kind of put some boundaries in place that I'm just are sort of non-negotiables. So I stop working every day pretty much at three o'clock when kids are home. And I have now two kids in school full time. Again, when I started all of this, I didn't have that. So right now it it looks like being done when my kids are home because also The the quality of what I do after school in those hours is not great anyway. So it's, it's in everyone's best interest that I like kind of shut it down for the day. I set aside, I know a lot of people don't like to work on the weekends. I love like a good morning, Sunday morning session. Like I'll go to the library. I'll put on my headphones. I'll work for a solid three, four hours at a time and I get a lot done there. That allows me too, to be able to done be done working at three o'clock on the weekdays and maybe only really work solidly for three days a week, whatever it looks like. The other thing is, I guess, and this is speaking to your question of how, like, when everything sort of goes haywire, I've learned that I have to be really patient and graceful with myself mm-hmm. and understand that I am a mom and I am also an entrepreneur and... I'm also still like everything that a mom is in the house, right? Like, it's not like I decided to take on this job. And so like, I brought in a team of people to take care of everything else, you know, like
0: <laughs> that would be nice, right? <laughs> it would be so would be
1: lovely. Like if you like sign your little entrepreneurship card and like a team shows up to take to like pick up the pieces of everything else. <laughs> I don't have that. Like, so yeah, really like remembering that it will all get done. And being mindful of those days where it's just looking like my sanity is at stake, like pressing pause, taking a step back, reprioritizing and sort of moving forward and not beating myself up when those days happen.
0: I think it's, it's good because it's, it's like, it's not perfect and it's not going to be perfect. And you know, I think back to when I had, you know, when my kids were little and I wasn't working outside of the, outside of the home. Well, I, when they were, I guess I had, I had a business when they were, how old were they? They were like 10 and 13. So still they were a little bit older and they were a little yeah. bit more independent. So it wasn't like they were little kids, but I just remember even, you know, I wasn't doing, I didn't have a, another business when they were little, like your kids ages, but I just, I remember the stress and the, and the, the pressure to like, get everything done on that to-do list, which was impossibly long, right? Like the the to-do list was always, it it was never going to happen because it was something that you needed a month to do. But somehow I thought I should be able to do that in a day and it should be perfect. And it just wasn't, and it, it, like, I wasn't flexible with myself. Like you talked about giving yourself grace that I, I didn't have that. And now looking back, that, you know, I'm older and I'm wiser. Hopefully <laughs> I, I sort of see those places that, you know, I have more grace for myself now and I'm able to be more flexible. And, and I realize like it's, it's not supposed to be perfect. Like Girl. it's just not. No. And it's okay to like prioritize things and move things and say, okay, this is the thing that has to get done today. Everything else that can wait, you know, yes. and it's, and it's totally fine. Like nobody's going to die.
1: No, and I think that it kind of <laughs> goes back to like let's reframe success. Okay, so let's also reframe perfection. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like again, there's nobody, nobody up like a chalkboard in the sky decreeing what is going to make this day perfect. That's up to me. It's up to us. Like you have that choice throughout the day, and so especially you know those early those early days when I was really kind of, it felt very much in the hustle because I was managing little kids at home. I was trying to build this business. I was trying to learn all I could. I was trying to do the client outreach and the cold pitching and the thing, and then I was doing all of it. And I realized kind of quickly that if I continued at this rate and I continued at this sort of like self-imposed level of perfect, quote unquote, I was going to burn out so fast. Mm -hmm. And This whole thing that I started because I love it and I want to do it and I want to make it work, that will sour pretty quick. And I just didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want that to happen. So, and this isn't to say that like I'm perfect at it, lack of a better term, but it's definitely a work in progress in sort of letting go of, like you said, this ridiculous to-do list that even with a team of people probably wouldn't get done in a day. So- Me on my own, let's again, take a step back and pause, reframe what perfect might look like today and go from there. But it's hard to do. It's it's a hard habit to break.
0: It is. It is. It really is. And I think like, that's why I love what you said about sort of, well, you didn't say it in this way, but essentially like you're creating the rules of what works for you. Like, you know, you mentioned a lot of people don't like to work on the weekends, and so, and you know, or we we have this idea that oh, we should be taking the weekends off, or you know, vacation should be completely work free. I've talked about this before too, like how I actually enjoy working a little bit on vacation. I've what? I've tried the whole like I take you know not take my laptop, and it stresses me the f- out. So yes. I yes. I have learned. That a little bit is fine. And it, and it's not that I'm, you know, not really unplugging or not enjoying myself, but that's what works for me. So I think just figuring out those things and like setting up your own rules for what works for you. If you want to work on Sunday mornings, you work on Sunday mornings, you know, and that means maybe Tuesday afternoon is free. It's like whatever you need to do.
1: Well, and I also think that just made me think of like, I think what we as entrepreneurs compete with is. The corporate mentality, right? Mm, yeah. And we're not corporate employees. So right. the corporate mentality of you work Monday through Friday and you work nine to five and you take the weekends off and you don't do anything. It doesn't sort of apply to all entrepreneur, Like, to, <laughs> you know, especially like me, like a solopreneur, I, it's just me. Like I'll, I'm hoping to take on a VA in this, in the coming months, which I'm so excited about, but it's just me. So I am very much. Like you said, making my own rules because it's what is making it work. And say like and the other thing too is I'm a mom with young kids. So four hours in a quiet library on the weekends, are you kidding me?
0: That's <laughs> right. It feels like it feels like a treat, right? <laughs> and
1: again, like being on vacation and with and I love my kids and I love my husband and I love my family. But like if I can take my laptop and go tuck myself into a corner somewhere and just Work and write, which is what I love to do anyway. Yes, please. So again, it's, it's so subjective and we, but we forget that it is.
0: Definitely. If you know an email funnel is the missing piece in your marketing strategy, but hiring a professional copywriter like yours truly isn't in the budget just yet, I have just the thing to help you DIY the entire thing in a weekend. I created the Instant Funnel Bundle to help you craft emails and sales pages that connect, captivate, and convert. See what I did there? So you can start filling your one-on-one and group program spots without providing value in Facebook groups all day and sliding into people's DMs, hoping to snag a client. And the Instant Funnel Bundle comes with everything you need to just get it done already. I'm talking a brand voice and messaging guide, a welcome sequence swipe file, four sample nurture emails, promo sequence swipe files, long form sales page swipes, and a sales page design template. So you literally get 45 pages of swipe files and templates for $77. Now, if you want to go get your hands on it, the link to the sales page is in the show notes. So go check it out. So that actually kind of leads perfectly into my next question, which I think that asking for support or getting getting help is something that so many of us struggle with as women and moms. And I think there's a lot of guilt and shame around that. So I'm curious if you've been able to let go of that conditioning at all and get support when you need it. And if so, do you have any go-to resources or places that kind of help you figure that out?
1: I've definitely sort of done away with the guilt. I worked through mom guilt many years ago. That was something that maybe it's just not in my personality. I don't know. But I am... Sort of the mom who I never really lived for just being the stay at home mom. That didn't feel truly fulfilling to me. So when I did have opportunity and I did start to do things more for myself, I recognized how much better I was mentally, emotionally in general. And then how that translated into my family dynamic, the way I was with my kids. I needed that. And I, you know, I know plenty of women who, who That's not a problem for them, you know, like, and I, and I'm almost envious of those women because I don't know what that feels like, but the mom guilt was never so much an issue for me, but the asking for help was an issue for me. And I, thankfully, and he knows this because I tell him all the time, my husband is wonderfully supportive. And so, you know, I, there's no issue. Like, again, if I take off on a Sunday for most of the day to go work, that's that's not it you know that i i'm in a situation where that's not an issue dad's home and everybody's fine and i don't have to worry about that i also recognize that not everybody has that and i think in the times where i do need to ask for outside help i've kind of gotten past that barrier i was very resistant for a while to like getting after school help so like some mm-hmm. days you know like i'm home right and and it has happened where i do need help. So I need to hire a babysitter. I need to have somebody come in and help me with the kids because there is something that I can't be done at three o'clock. It has to get, you know, whatever it is that has been a little bit of a battle for me or a struggle, I should say. I'm getting over it. But the recognizing that it's okay to ask for the help that like going back to that, like forever to do list, like it's mm-hmm. reasonable to think we can get through it 100% on our own. But I think as moms, women and moms, were conditioned to carry it all and Definitely. or feel like if we're not carrying it all, we're somehow failing. And it has taken me, it's taken me time to work through that belief. And I no longer believe that. I no longer believe that, but that took time and that took work. So it's the, it's the being okay, asking for help. It's also the being okay, accepting help when somebody's like, well, I can do this for you. And It's not so much mom guilt. It's just like, oh, but you could probably be doing something else for yourself. You probably don't want to be helping me. Like that sort of mentality. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, if they didn't want to help you, they probably wouldn't ask. So like, just say thank you. Just say thank you and accept the help. But that that goes back to sort of that mindset of it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be the one on in charge and on top of everything, especially when you're building something and creating something that's so important to you. Because what's important... What's important to you is just as important as like what it means to be a mom, right? And like all the things that go into motherhood, which is so important and it's an incredible job and I love being a mom, but it's also important that the other parts of me, the other facets of me, this entrepreneurial spirit, this writer person, it's important that those pieces are given just as much importance and honored as it is to be a mom yeah if that makes sense. I
0: think that's so important to to show your kids like that's honestly yeah. something that i that I deeply regret you know when that I didn't do enough of when my kids were little. I was very i mean you know my story's very different. I was coming from a totally different background and and really was was like determined to be the complete opposite of my own mother, so I went into motherhood with a lot of baggage and a lot of like pressure to just be do it right you know yeah, to do it right and to put myself last and and that was not a good thing like i i always the whole like self care thing it's like it sounds nice in theory but now i really get it that yeah. i i wish that i would have spent some time doing things for myself and to you know Just to take care of those, like the creative impulses or having the time just to think and like not do anything and just show my kids that that I was, I was worthy of doing those things because I really didn't. Like I just spent all my time with them and if I could go back and do anything differently, I think I would definitely, that would be it (laughs) for sure. So I totally... Totally get where you're coming from. And I think that the asking for help thing too, I think, at least from from my own perspective, I think something that I had to get over with that was that it's okay if somebody doesn't do something the way that you would do it. Like, it can be good enough. Good enough is good enough, you know? Absolutely. So... That and and my husband, like I remember him always saying, like all you have to do is ask. Like I would get really frustrated sometimes if if he there would be things not not being done, and I was uh, like I'm still finishing these twelve other things, and there's three more things over here that have to get done. And he just didn't see it right, like it wasn't on his radar. Yes. And I would get so frustrated, and he would just be like, dude, all you have to do is ask me. Like I don't see I don't see it the way that you see it. But if you want if you want me to do something and want my help with something. Yeah. Just yeah. Staff.
1: yeah yeah getting it's out so of it's so simple right it is it is but then i get and i get to the place and this is just me being snarky where i'm like well why do i have to ask why don't you just see that? <laughs> i know <laughs> okay. that's not helping anybody that's not helping
0: yeah <laughs> but i mean come on it's like when when you when you see that the dog has puked on the floor and you're mm-hmm. like oh i'll get that later <laughs> no <Apparently>, you, will. <laughs> you will
1: you will you will get that later okay all right. No, it's so funny. Oh, they're such
0: great guys. Are you ready for the Christy questions? Yes, please. Okay. So we the first well, I guess they're kind of all on topic, but just a little a little deeper maybe. Okay. So is there anything that you've had to let go of in order to to make being a mom and owning a business work? Like really let go of? Or maybe you're still working on it.
1: My fear of failure.
0: That's a big one.
1: I have a very deep seated fear of failure and a fear of disappointment, not so much disappointing myself, disappointing others. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I can't say that I've completely let it go. I'm definitely working through it and it's sort of an everyday thing that I think about and I am, am very committed to working through. But yeah, that's a, that's a big one for me that, that fear of failure and fear of disappointing others. And also disappointing myself, setting these sort of goals for myself and not achieving them. You know, we're our own worst critic and we tend to beat ourselves up worse than anybody else would. So that's been, that's definitely been and continues to be a challenge. I, I, again, I've made, I've made progress and I'm continuing to make progress and who knows, there might always be a little bit of it, you know, forever, but that's probably that fear of failure and disappointment.
0: Yeah. I can, I can relate to that. I mean, I, I know that feeling of like just being afraid to do anything sometimes because you don't want to do the wrong thing. Exactly. And, yes. And
1: that keeps you, it keeps you frozen. It keeps you frozen.
0: Yeah. It actually, exactly. It just like prevents you from moving forward at all. And so for me, like that's where all the learning comes in. You know, it's like, I love to learn, but at some point it's like, you just have to do something. And so yes. I yes. think. F- The, the thing that gets me over that, and it's, it's not always possible to make that, you know, that switch in my brain, but when I'm able to really look at things as an experiment and like, and say, well, I'm just going to try this and see what happens, then it totally takes the pressure off because I'm not so focused on what the end result is, which is kind of where my mind always wants to go. Like, what's the purpose? What am I doing this for? What am I going to get out of it? But sometimes it's like, Maybe just want to try this and see what happens.
1: I love that attitude. That is a gr- I love that. I'm going to adopt that. Thank you. Because it's not the way I think about things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and like I said, I don't either. I try I try really hard because I don't want to be attached. I don't I really don't want to be attached. And I find like that kind of is another I think it's just a like another disguised way of trying to force things, trying to force it them is. to go my yes. way. Yeah. You know? It is. It absolutely is. Oh, I love that. All right. Last question, just for fun. Okay. Most embarrassing moment as a self-employed mom. Oh my god! Have gosh. you had any like naked Zoom calls? For <laughs> no,
1: I am always wearing clothes. That's like just like number one rule of the day. I don't know if I've had anything super embarrassing. Maybe like, I am so bad with time zones and which we saw today. And I guess like as, as I'm four, four months from being 40 years old and the fact that like time zones still trip me up, Like that's embarrassing.
0: (laughs) So I don't think you're alone in
1: that. It's not a, it's not a horrible thing. There's been a couple of instances because again, you know, being like, I'm a digital entrepreneur. I do everything from my laptop. So I, I I work and talk to people all over the world, all over the country. And it's happened more than a few times where like the the time zone thing has like made for a little bit of a blunder. And I think it's not so much embarrassing that like, Oops, I got the time wrong. It's more like it's a time, figure out time zones. Like it's not that hard. So (laughs) I guess that's embarrassing for me.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I think I can beat you on that. I think that my most embarrassing moment was, well, okay. I've actually had a couple. I don't, I don't know. Have, have I talked about this in person? I mean, on the podcast in person. (laughs) So, okay. So one, this was super embarrassing because my kids are older and they should know better, but I was on a, Sales call. This was like beginning of the pandemic, and my youngest daughter was home from college. Like, she, they had shut down her school. It was mm-hmm. still March of 2020. I think I was on a, a sales call, and she, I thought I'd turned all of my alarms off, like, cause you know, my phone is connected to my computer, yes. to my laptop, yeah. and all the things. And I thought I had turned it all off. And so apparently, I turned them all off except the computer one, like my desktop. And she literally texted me. 700 times in in a row. She was sending me all of these links to things she wanted to buy online. And the the computer is like, ding, ding, ding. And I was so embarrassed. I just, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And actually they ended up working with me, which is kind of (laughs) crazy. But I was like, I don't know what's happening. My kid is not a two-year-old. <laughs> She's actually 19. <laughs> uh, so that was one. And then one time I was talking to somebody, I was doing a copy audit on Zoom, and I took a sip of my coffee and literally spilled it all down the front of me. Oh, that was fun. That was really fun. And I mean, she—it was so funny because she didn't say anything and I was like, Oh my God. I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> I was totally not going to ignore it, but I was literally wearing it like all down the front. of me. Oh
1: my gosh. See, that's, so, I, Fun times. Fun times. Fun times. And I'm sure I'll have more as like, again, my kids are in school during the day, the times that I work, but like this summer, who knows? I mean, it could yeah. be just ripe for embarrassment opportunities. You never know.
0: Well, I'll have to have you back and you can tell me. You can tell me all about it. Can, You'll yeah,
1: have to fess up. and see how the conversation <laughs> is going. And maybe, maybe I'll figure out my time zones by then, so I'll be on time.
0: Yeah, I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you an hour different next time. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <We> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, this is fun, Katie. Where can people find you if they want to connect?
1: Yes. So I s- pretty much am on Instagram when I'm on the internet, and I'm at Katie with the words, and then. My website is super simple www.katiekastner.com.
0: Awesome. I'll put those links in the show notes so people can just find them easily. But this has been lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christy. This was so fun. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to leave hustle mode behind and grow their businesses with ease. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this episode on your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelsky so I can repost you. If you want to take the guesswork out of what to say in your emails and how to say it in a way that resonates with the people you actually want to work with, you need to grab my brand new freebie. Now, you've probably heard me say this at least a hundred times, but connection is what leads to conversions and making your subscribers feel seen and heard is the key to making that connection and building the relationship. So I put together a sweet little guide for you that breaks down my connect, captivate and convert framework, which teaches you how to become biz besties with your subscribers and gives you the goods on converting them to clients organically. Now, because I know the next logical question is probably what should I write about in my emails? There's a bonus section with a list of newsletter ideas. that's gonna give you swipeable email content for months. This is honestly the most value-packed freebie I've ever created, and I really can't wait for you to get your hands on it. So if you're ready to write emails that sell without all the bro marketing mayhem, go grab the free guide, How to Write Emails That Sell plus 20 Must Read Newsletter Ideas at the link in the show notes.